Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Boho Business Guide podcast. It's Salami Day Michelle today here with a very special guest. I'm so excited to interview this person and have a conversation really centered around Black entrepreneurship and more importantly, in the space of money and finance. As you guys know, I'm featuring bold Black brands all month, so it seemed perfect to get the Beyonce of personal finance on the podcast, sharing her tips, her tricks, and her entrepreneurship story to essentially how she pivoted her career multiple times and still managed to build a very successful, a very entertaining and valuable, I will say, digital brand online. So welcome, Melissa. Introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. My name is Melissa Jean Baptiste. I am a first generation Haitian American. I always start my story off with that Um, and former educator in the New York Department of Education. I now am working in a tech space, in the fintech space specifically. Um, And I'm super excited to be here and talk all things money, talk about entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Of course. So I love that you said you always start with your heritage. You always start with your culture. And as someone who coaches and consults entrepreneurs on personal brand development, why do you think you do that? And is there any like impactful relevance as to why you feel like that's so important to your story? That's, uh, I love good podcasts have amazing questions. So just thank you for starting off with that. Um, I feel that it's important to start off with my culture one just to kind of like big up to my parents uh because they definitely are very crucial and important in not only my story but in the development of my brand and in my entrepreneurship um story so I always start off with that just as like a little nod and shout out to them but it's also one of the things that I think makes me a unique entrepreneur it also brings forth an audience that I think is able to connect with my story. I don't know if we hear too much. I mean, it's definitely growing, but I don't think we hear too much about the first gen story in entrepreneurship. I think it's kind of just like, a, oh, you know, self-made this, self-made that, but it's just like, there's another layer to this. I may be self-made, but it's definitely teaching myself every single thing, um, starting from applying to college, learning how to run a brand. So being first gen is super important to me. And I think it, my story wouldn't be the same without that. Well, I really think that's amazing because as someone who has Nigerian American or Nigerian parents, and I am now the first generation Nigerian American, I definitely think like how I was raised, the values that were instilled in us, also watching their hustle, sometimes their struggle, their aspirations, and how that affects you as an individual is actually quite relevant. So it's interesting that you say that it's something that's glossed over because, you know, it's one thing to say that you are a minority, right? That already comes with its own interesting perspective perspectives, its own interesting background, Mm -hmm. its challenges, its disadvantages at times, unfortunately. And then you add in the fact that your parents are not even from the Mm -hmm. country. So it's like this twofold thing that really shapes and molds you and can actually be a little challenging when you're trying to create a trendy, fun brand online. I don't know about your family, but my mom is like, girl, you better not be dancing on the internet looking crazy. You know what I mean? And it's like, where does that come from? That comes from this like more traditional, more wholesome, more even like religious and conservative thing that is more common in other countries. And I noticed that a lot of Americans and a lot of like 
American born, you know, they're, you know, they've been here for years and generations. They don't tend to find the same things to be, mm-hmm. you know, controversial or to be a taboo the way other cultures do. So I know this, this right. episode is not necessarily about culture in that sense, but in a way, I guess it is because as a black entrepreneur, and as a first generation, these things are relevant as to how we find confidence and consistency online. Absolutely agree. And it's so interesting you say that because even with, so I'm currently writing my book and then creating content, I'm always thinking like, is this going to embarrass my parents? Are they like, if their friend sees it or if a family member sees it, is this going to be something that makes them proud? Is this going to be something that confuses them? Or is this something that's going to be like straight up like, Melissa, what? what is this? And having kids like, well, this is a TikTok trend, you know? So it's yeah. something I keep in the back of my mind, like, what are my Haitian parents going to say about this? So it's, it's absolutely. Important. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause it's not really like, you know, obviously parents are going to be parents no matter where they're mm-hmm. from, but it is this like unique added element of <laughs> what are the, you know, what are the cousins? What are the aunties? What is everybody else going to say? But, you know, getting past that is so important because we obviously have a calling, something that we're really passionate about and interest in. And there's value in that because somebody's waiting for that information. Somebody's waiting right. for that, that book, that value, that tip. So I feel like you just introduced another kind of lovely segue for me. You're just doing my job uh, pretty well. Uh, the book, you know, writing a book, that's a big deal for any public figure, any creator out there. One, what is the book about and why did you want to write one? Yes. So I've wanted to be an author since I was like eight. So this is a huge deal for so many reasons. Um, But the book is going to be about personal finance and it is going to have that layer of managing your money as a first generation um, American as the eldest daughter, which is another, like that's a twofold, like the first generation and the eldest daughter. Um, and it's just talking about money in a way that doesn't feel shameful, that doesn't feel like you need to have a master's degree in finance or that you need to be a stockbroker on Wall Street. Um, and I start off the book by talking about that, you know, I never thought that I would have a seat at the finance table because not a lot of people look like me in the finance world. And so it was really important to create this book for people who look like me, for people who talk like me, for people who, you know, have had similar backgrounds as me or who have gone through similar careers as me. So I think that there wasn't a book out there that did all of those things that made you feel comfortable and confident talking about the stock market or talking about, you know, retirement of 401ks. And I wanted to provide that. And I'm very fortunate and happy that I was given the opportunity to do so. So this is a really big like thing for me. No, yeah. I mean, anytime anyone writes a book, literally on anything, I'm impressed because it's so easy as someone who, you know, like has, it's like, I'm not going to say I don't have the interest. I have the interest. I have the ideas, but like writing a book takes a lot of discipline, a lot of focus and dedication really, because you have to organize your time in a way that you don't just start one day and write like a really fun, witty opener and like a chapter. And then you're like, okay, I'll get back to this in five years. Because if everybody's being honest, that's actually what happens to a lot of us. It's like, we start off, but to keep that rhythm going, you know, hats off to you. Congratulations on this Mm -hmm. venture. Um, I know it's going to be good because if your content is good, both visually and verbally, I'm pretty sure that you'll be able to write a very compelling book. So you guys look out for that. You (laughs) You didn't hear it here first because I'm sure you've announced this already, but you heard a little bit more insight as yeah. to the book. So we look forward to that launch and completion. Wish you a ton of success on that. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, 
in addition to being an author, I think a lot of people would be really interested in knowing your background. You know, I sort of highlighted that you've pivoted a lot. You talk about it on your social media account. Um, tell us about this transition and journey from educator to tech and like brand content development and things like that. Yeah. So I started as an educator, just like, <laughs> and I don't say regular because I think teachers are superheroes and there's nothing regular about this, but I started off as what people would call like a regular job coming out of college. I had the degree in education, so I became an educator. Um, and around 2013, my friend and I decided to cut off our hair, um, which any <laughs> Black woman listening, we know that's always like, a, oh, your life is about to change, like what's about to happen? Um, so we cut off our hair. And we're just like, maybe we should start a blog about it right? Maybe we just started on Instagram about it. Um, and that was really my first experience in creating blog content and creating, you know, SEO, learning what search engine optimization was and launching, you know, a digital platform on Instagram when Instagram was much different than it is now. So in its infancy, um, and just kind of navigating that beauty industry space from a completely just not really knowing what I was doing, just throwing things and seeing what stuck. Um, and then as I continued to transition, in my career, going from just being an educator and then into an instructional designer, um, I really wanted to kind of work in my zone of genius, which is this this new this new concept to me. Um, this new concept that I learned when I read "We Should All Be Millionaires" by Rachel Rogers, and she broke down the four different like categories that most people function or operate in with different aspects of their lives. And I realized that I wasn't as fulfilled as I would really like to be in education, and I really was catching a great stride and just excitement in building content around my experience with money, around my experience with student loans, or my experience with paying off student loans. Um, and so I sat down one day, I talked again with my best friend who we cut our hair off together. And I was just like, I think I want to write a web series. Had no idea how to write one. I had no idea how to produce one, how to create one. But I taught myself that and it kind of took off on YouTube. And I was just like, oh, this is really cool. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm really interested in all the things I'm learning. Um, and so I just decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to create this millennial in debt platform, but I want to do it with a little more finesse than my first, like my beauty blogging space. I'm like, I really want to have a strategy. I really want to have, you know, a routine that makes sense and that's able to create content, but also connect with an audience and build a community. I don't want it to just be like, I'm posting pretty hair pictures, which is what I was doing on like my beauty page. I'm posting free hair pictures, but there's no real like strategy or reason there was no why behind that um and so I took a lot of time which I know sometimes I tell people I'm like don't like, just get your idea started but I took a lot of time thinking about what I wanted this this brand you know this new version of my content creation story to feel like and to look like and to really what experiences I wanted to create um and then I just sat down and said well who do I want to talk to like what audience do I want to listen to, to what I'm saying um and I think that's really what got me into brand development and understanding what brand strategy is, which then helped me pivot out of education and enter the marketing space for a tech company, which is like, you started as an English teacher and now you're in marketing and brand development. Um, but now I feel like I'm working in my zone of genius. And that's what really drives my passion and my excitement and learning all the new transitions and changes and things that have happened in the digital content space, in the influencer space, in the marketing space. Um, so that's my story. And like, just thinking out loud, like, that's weird to go from like English to this but I think it's so important to work in your zone of genius and I think that's what helps brands like really great strong authentic brands excel is having that strategy that allows them to work in their zone of genius 
Absolutely. I love whenever I'm speaking with someone. If you guys follow us on Instagram, you know that we just did an Instagram live. So by the time you're listening to this, you can go and watch some cute video of us as well as listen to this episode. Um, But what I was getting at is that I like when someone answers in a way that gives me about four to five pillars to kind of recap. Because if you're one of those podcast listeners, it's like, I need tools. I need like journal prompts. I need like recaps and one, two, three to-do lists. I'd say the number one thing that I got from that is really understanding your zone of genius. Um, Rachel Rogers is definitely a pioneer in this space as a Black attorney, also fellow attorney, which I think is super cool, who then went into this uh, business coaching and consulting space, very similar to our pivots, right? But, you know, she's really known for focusing on the high dollar, the high value mm-hmm. mindset and supporting millionaire entrepreneurs. So if you guys want to follow her, a little shout out to her, but also <laughs> that zone of genius that you mentioned is really leaning into our gifts. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're ignoring our passions, we're, we're ignoring those transferable skills and we're just focused on, well, I went to school, I have a law degree, I got to be a lawyer, got to go work a traditional, like you said, air quote, normal job. I got to mm-hmm. be an English teacher because that's the educational type degree I got and end of story. We're not thinking about maybe the fact that we are a creative, a dancer, a passionate person who really enjoys poetry and writing. Like, how do we bring that in? What's the relevance there? And that might transfer to caption writing. That might transfer to writing a book um, or really just transfer to enjoying your actual day. You know, what a crazy concept, right? Like having some basic (laughs) Basic level fulfillment in our day-to-day lives should actually be number one, but unfortunately it becomes one of the last things we address and think about. So uh, I love that you started, you know, that highlight there. And then also that there's always room to pivot is a nice little takeaway from what I'm getting. It's like right now I'm showing my pivot very transparently. I could do one thing where it's like I hide, I like, you know, delete all the photos and then it's like, ta-da, I'm back brand new. And I'm just kind of like doing it sloppy as I go along. I started with a clear strategy as, you know, the boho business guide. I'm very bohemian type personality. I really enjoy Mm -hmm. everything and anything holistic. So, you know, I was just like, okay, this is the approach. But then I was like, okay, but am I focusing on career development, professional development? Okay. I Mm -hmm. want to focus on bringing in yoga into business and wellness. And I was like, "Mm, maybe I'll just be a lawyer. I'm going to go legal tips. And now I'm like, I know what I'm doing, but it's going to take some time to build up that, uh, that kind of like cadence with your followers because they need to understand this new approach and you need to gain almost like new exposure. And I like that you said that you figured out exactly who you wanted to talk to, which then helped you figure out what to post. So can Mm -hmm. you give us some insight as to what, like, what did you decide? How did you decide who your target audience was? Yes. So I, the thing, I'm just like a branch strategy tip for anyone who wants to get into the entrepreneur space. The first thing we always think is we need to service everyone or we want to reach everyone or we want to go viral. So we get a bunch of eyes on our content and our things. And it's like, well, a bunch of eyes might not, you know, they might like this one post or this one video or this one thing you do. But if you're a multifaceted brand or if you're creating content to reach multifaceted people, they're not going to stick around. They're not going to convert into customers. They're not going to engage and be an actual community with you. They're just going to be kind of like a dead follower. Like, okay, like I came here for a funny video, but I don't really care what you do as a, as an entrepreneur. And so 
that's cool to viral, but as an entrepreneur and building this brand, my audience, I knew that I wanted to speak to millennials. And as of late in the last year and a half, I've started to add in Gen Z into who I service as you know an entrepreneur. But I wanted to focus in on millennials who went to school, have college debt, who had a degree, who are making a, a specific amount of money, right? So it could be between 40,000 to 90,000 who are struggling with finances, who didn't understand finances in the way that I, I didn't know or understand them either. So I want to speak to them and teach them all the things that I learned and service their needs and their pain points because I understand them, because I've gone through them, because I know how to solve them and figure out how to get from point A to point B. I can't solve baby boomer problems, right? So I'm like, that's not my audience. I can't solve, uh, you know, the my target audience is not going to be 60-year-olds. It's not going to be 50-year-olds because I don't have the skill set and I don't particularly enjoy trying to get the skill set to go and solve their pain points. So it's really important to niche down just as specific as, okay, it's going to be ages 24 to 35. It's going to be people who went to college and graduated. It's going to be people who have this amount of debt. And it's okay to get that specific in the beginning and you can broaden out your audience as you grow. But when you start off and you're trying to get that first thousand or that first 5,000, that community that you're servicing is going to be your bread and butter. And that's that's really what I had to learn early on. Um, Because when I was in the beauty space, I was like, I just want every curly haired person to like this post. (laughs) No, (laughs) but no, like you can't, you can't service every like, no, that doesn't happen. Um, So it's just a really, really important to kind of get that focus on who you're talking to. And I know that if I'm talking to millennials then I can, you know, speak how I want to speak. If I'm talking to older people and no ageism here, but I'm like, I don't know how to speak in a way that might entertain or engage them or that might help them get to point A from point A to point B. But I know how to speak to my fellow millennials and get us excited. So that, you know, that energy going, taking my energy that route just made the most sense. Yeah, no. Okay. I like that. So you're a really great example of essentially using your ideal client or avatar. Some people refer to it as essentially being a model or version of yourself, which is something similar to what I did, because we can usually speak from our own personal experience the best. Um, For some of you listening, that might not apply to you and that's okay. You might be helping someone in a completely different space with a problem you didn't actually experience firsthand, but maybe you have 15 years of professional training in this space to qualify you. So it's kind of like, yes, it can be based on your own personal experience. Don't let your experience kind of like become irrelevant because you're looking for certifications and uh, licensing, you know, you had an education background, not a finance degree. So it's like, you've still grown your page to over a hundred K you're doing well, you're interested, you're passionate and you're, you know, it's considered a success. So it's like, I just want Mm -hmm. to really encourage people to remember that your experience is valuable, but if you do choose to go a different route and focus on a different target audience, just make sure that there is a a clear nexus or purpose behind it Mm -hmm. and not just like, oh, I like this. So I'm just doing this randomly. And, um, I mean, it's a real thing people do that, unfortunately. And I'd also say like, Also recognizing that we can't serve everybody. Like, you know, we want to serve everyone sometimes because we just want all the money, right? But also I've heard people say things like, oh, they don't want to discriminate. Just like you pointed out, like it's not an ageism thing. It's not a limitation or restriction. It's actually a focus that becomes an amplifier. So the more we focus in, 
actually end up making more money and typically having more fun and fulfillment, ironically, by limiting the scope of people we're talking to and not necessarily the scope of our work. So um, yeah, and and we have a masterclass coming up. I know we've talked about so many amazing things and listening to your story. I hope it inspires people to kind of like take those chances, take those leaps and to believe in anything being possible so long you're willing to back it. But Mm -hmm. this masterclass is really going to be focused, I think, for a niche within your niche, which is influencers and content creators. Um, Why don't you tell us about this class and what you hope people will gain from it? Yeah, so I do this class once a year. Uh, And everyone says, like, why once a year? Um, But it's really just because as my platform and brand has grown, I've made some great connections with influencers and content creators and digital marketers. And, you know, I, I get the same questions, the same pain points. And so as a way to service, those people in that sub niche, that subcategory, I bring this once a year just to show things that I've learned, especially now that I have pivoted into the marketing, digital marketing space and in, uh, industry. It's a way to how do you avoid burnout? How do you create digital marketing uh, products and a pipeline for that community, that audience? And it's really about uplifting the content for your community. It's really about creating that strategy and those brand pillars for your community, which is the step that oftentimes it's skipped, right? Which should be the first step um, because a lot of times people are like, oh, but your video is so pretty and this content's so cool. And it's like, thank you so much. I love that. But it was all about like the strategy that I built first in order to get that like cool, you know, TikTok video out there. So the the output, the final thing we see, that's the last step. So this masterclass is about getting all those other steps down packed and really trying to build that successful story that people want to, you know, the, the side hustle or the quitting and going full time. It's all about that strategy first. Absolutely. I love it. And I totally respect the once a year approach with strategy. <laughs> you also have to have timing and scheduling strategy. And sometimes yeah. that means limiting the frequency of those pop-ups, those networking events, mm-hmm. uh, collaborations and masterclasses. So I'm here for it. And I will be there also kind of sharing some yeah. knowledge and education surrounding protecting your brand, the legal side, and the, some of the other like considerations that especially my mm-hmm. creatives don't tend to think about because why would they? They're focused on their craft. They're focused on their yeah. artistry. And it's natural to understand your gift and not necessarily be an expert in other spaces. So right. I'm excited. I can't wait to take away some knowledge and value from it. I definitely need to refine my brand. It's a lot easier to help others than it is to help yourself. So it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we can we can continue to apply these skills to ourselves as well. But before we hop off, I always ask my guests, or at least I try to remember, let's be honest, to ask my guests this one question, which I think is particularly interesting for someone focused on becoming a millionaire, helping people become a millionaire. And that is how do you define wealth? Ooh, you are like fantastic question asker, by the way. Um, I define wealth as having full control over my time. Um, I've been really, really, really adamant, especially in this last year of reclaiming my time, of prioritizing my time, making sure that things I'm spending are adding value to my time. And so I think when you have true wealth, you can do what you want to do with your time. Um, so I wouldn't have to like go do, go to work, you know, like I wouldn't have to do certain things. I wouldn't have to I don't know, keep using cashback apps, which I love, but it's like, 
having more accessibility to my time to be able to do what I want and what I enjoy, that is true wealth for me. Amazing. Yes, I love how beautiful everyone's definition and interpretation of wealth. Honestly, it's it's really just a way of living, right? And it's your yeah. way of choosing what you value, what you put gratitude and focus in. And I think time is a big one, right? You know, uh, yeah. wellness and other yeah. factors go into that. But having the time to take care of yourself, enjoy yeah. your life and actually like, you know, spend your money would be nice as well. So, um, right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I think this is really great. Um, everyone, you guys can follow Melissa. Melissa, let me try to say your name correctly, at Millennial <laughs> in Debt. I feel like I wanted to say Millennial instead of your name. So we'll just, I you know. know. I've okay. been leaving my... I've been leaving my bloopers in before I used to go in and like edit and smooth out all of my mistakes and take out the ums. And I'm just like, you know what, guys? This is gonna, this is good enough. You guys are gonna yeah. enjoy this. There's value here and just ignore my mess ups. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I hope everyone enjoys this content and go ahead and give Melissa a follow. If you guys have any questions, you can always reach out to us directly. I'm open to discussing different things in the DMs, but you can also visit the link in both of our bios for more information and to sign up for the upcoming masterclass. All right, sometimes the most amazing things in life tend to come with a little bit messier journey. So that's what we're just going to say happened here. Audio was not our friend on this episode. So I appreciate your patience. I appreciate your support and hope you found a ton of value because Melissa was great and her platform at Millennial in Debt is simply amazing. So make sure you give her a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share your support by tagging us on Instagram at the Boho Business Guide. You can drop a little note you can share your sound bite and i'd be so excited to reshare and feature you and thank you for helping me connect my podcast with more listeners and other entrepreneurs looking for this holistic guidance please join us for the upcoming masterclass that melissa and i will be hosting on february 21st 8 p.m eastern time you can grab a ticket at her at the link in her bio so make sure you snag your spot before it's too late and i look forward to connecting with you very soon. All right, guys, stay boho. It's different.